welcome to the Skies Were Under podcast, hosted by me, Rachel Wright. This podcast is created by and for parents of people with disabilities and the many practitioners who support us. It's just for all of us who are trying to get from one end of the week to the other whilst bridging the gap between the life we expected and the one we're actually living. Hi, I'm Rachel. I'm a qualified nurse, an unqualified parent of three, and the founder of Born at the Right Time. My life went totally off script 16 years ago when I became the parent of someone with severe brain damage, which resulted in him having a whole host of complex medical needs. Last week on the podcast, I introduced you to our season one regular guests, Sarah Clayton and Lucy Parr. Sarah is the CEO of Simple Stuff Works. Her eldest daughter suffered a brain tumour age six, and as a consequence of both treatment and complications, she's now a beautiful young woman with learning disabilities and some medical needs. Lucy is part of the way through a PhD in educational psychology, and her third of four children has a chromosome duplication, which means he isn't verbal, has autism, high sensory needs, and very complex epilepsy. On today's episode, we dive into our children's diagnosis, and in doing so, we discover some epic parenting fails, which is great for everyone, as it makes us all feel a little less rubbish. Right, let's get started. This is a short trigger warning before we start episode two that today we will be discussing topics of childhood cancer, traumatic births and epilepsy. Welcome back again to the Skies Are Under podcast. How Hi. are you both? It's lovely to be here. Uh, Sarah? <laughs> All good. All good. Still here. Still here. Still going. <laughs> <laughs> What's the weather rat like round where you are? And I don't mean look out the window. She did. She just, Sarah just looked out the window <laughs> to tell me the forecast. We're talking, wow. you know, theoretical. I nearly went metaphorical, but I don't know if that's the right word. Yeah, that's the right <laughs> word. Excellent. Metaphorically. Metaphorically, how's the weather round well, where you are, Sarah? The weather where I am is calm now, but we had one of those mornings, you know, where it all goes absolutely, you think that things are all okay, and you're lulled into a false sense of security that the world is is fine and everything's going to plan. So I turn around and think, think four is standing there holding the yellow blanket and the yellow blanket stops all the dog hair going onto the onto the lovely sofa so she's holding up the yellow blanket it's like there's brown stuff from where <laughs> minnie was lying and herbie is eating it you know and he's just like what so the delightful dog has been out you know like everything is on a tightrope so we're all good as long as everything goes to plan and mm-hmm. fox poo small dog rolling in stuff then coming in and rolling all over the sofa has completely thrown my morning oh but now i thought he was gone, gonna need like some bowel stuff going on because he was just like oops no just discovered no discovered something delightful in the garden oh, and right. bought it in so i had to bath the dog uh wash all of the blankets for in the, the morning yes before this is you the thing. do anything yes so no. i have not so what that what it means is it was like a bath the dog or have a shower. So the weather okay, around these so the parts, clean. this is it. The weather around these but... parts was unsettled this morning. <laughs> Sarah is also unsettled and unclean. Okay, a feature of the Skies Ronda podcast is that we have the. Would you believe it? As in. There are so many things that happen just as parents, like just parental stuff or just walking through life and someone says something and you're like, I can't believe they just said that. I can't believe they just did that. Or I can't believe I just did that. (laughs) So this week, who wants to fess up or who wants to share something that's happened to them? Uh, Something someone said. Would you believe it? Yeah, I have a good one of those. (laughs) 
um, I was very pregnant with my first child. Actually, it was after I was pregnant and I'd had this child. And anyway, I went overdue with my first kid for a really long time, which felt like forever. It's actually only 14 <laughs> days, but it felt like forever. Um, and I'd had that and I was massive as well, like massive. Like I looked like I had triplets or something. And so from about month six, everyone was going, oh, you must be due soon. So I'd had from month six all the way to two weeks overdue of people telling me, oh, you're still here then? Yes, I'm still here. <laughs> um, I'd rather not be. And I was like absolutely sick to the back teeth of people telling me, oh, you're still here then? Oh, you haven't popped yet? And all the other such, you know, things that people say. And anyway, I had eventually expelled the baby and it was very exciting because for expelling I was the baby. Well done, well done, very well very well done me I was no longer pregnant um two weeks after I was supposed to no longer be pregnant and I went to church and this was two days after she was born went to church because I was you know a good Christian lady and that's what you do you just like drag your <laughs> drag drag your drag wobbling your body and your leaking boobs and your small baby to church because God and so up I went God just to clarify so, the reason we're doing it and I walked in and this um and Stu had gone in ahead with her and gone and sat down and I walked in afterwards with all the baby paraphernalia and um and he and, and someone said to me, Oh, so you still haven't had the baby yet <laughs> <laughs> You're still here then And I was like Oh, oh, I, I, I'm sorry I didn't ping back to my pre-baby self. I had pushed a small child out of my vagina two days ago and my innards are being held in by this wadge like of a sanitary spikes. towel. Like, yes, I have had the baby. She's over there. <laughs> so, yeah, that, I think they felt quite bad and rightly so. Because just don't say anything to a pregnant lady who <laughs> who looks like they might explode at any minute or has just exploded. So, um, <laughs> yeah, Fantastic. that was my would you believe it? No. Yeah, I think I think generally if if someone's pregnant, whether they are pregnant or not pregnant or might have been had a baby or not, but just just don't don't ask. Just don't go there. Just don't yeah. go there. Just yeah. Don't go there. No. Okay. So that's your advice. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, this is the today. Just keep your mouth shut. Um, maybe you could write in and tell us at, on our email. The skies were under podcast email is tswupodcast at gmail.com and tell us the stories of would you believe it? That thing that someone has said, someone has done that you have said and done even better. And uh, let's uh, share those. Today on the podcast, we are thinking about um, the different stories of diagnosis of our children. Um, I will let you quickly recap um, something about your children. We don't want to spend talking them. We don't talk them too much because this is about us. Yeah, so diagnosis, which feels like because it is sort of forever ago. It is. 14 years ago now I think for yeah 14 years which is a long long time isn't it in this world I think that the whole thing of kind of when lots and lots of things happen uh time kind of drags on and on and on um but she was misdiagnosed for five months and I was I think I've said before I was a bit complicit in that I was kind mm. of it, like mm okay let's let's say that it's that then because I kind of had an idea of some of the big nasties that there can be out there when kids have started out typical and then things start to change for them so I think I'd just gone into just take what they say stretch mode I'm just gonna stick my head I'm gonna stick my head in this big ditch of, of, of denial I was not only ostrich mode, as in is internet. I was also kind of going all out uh, internet searching specialists who who would treat, you know, like kind of. I'd gone right. This is the route. Then that's what we'll do. And um, I'll, I went to the hospital with her. She was going to have a um, a scan to put my mind at rest. Was the the oh, reasoning? That's yes. nice of them. I know oh. to put my mind at rest and. 
it was this thing of um it was it the appointment for the scan didn't come through for another three weeks after we'd seen a pediatrician so everybody that i knew was saying to me if it's something serious you'd be in there you would be in do you know what i mean if it's something serious Mm -hmm. they don't mess about you would be in so i went in i the biggest mistake i made was not explaining to her exactly where we were going and what we were doing because she was six and I just thought let's just get it done and then we'll you know we'll go shopping so I wasn't wholly honest with I basically said that we were going to go um we just got to do this one thing at the hospital and then we'll go and she was just but I sort of sprung it on her and I regret that through I really do regret doing that that was that was my one not my one parenting (laughs) that's the only thing I've ever done in my parenting that was less than ideal the The rest of the time exemplary (laughs) exemplary and anyone who listened to episode one knows that's rubbish Because there were so, at least three incidental stories that Sarah gave, on which she totally it's when you were up. when you were talking, uh, Lucy, about having it being um, like late giving birth. I've I've another classic of what I did with, with my impatience and right, we're going to get on with this, but that's for another time. So um, they they took her off for her scan. She was supposed to be forty five minutes. She was she was a good couple of hours. I kept going back and saying, oh, she's not she's not back yet, you know. And they were saying, no, don't worry, don't worry. And I didn't realise that behind the scenes, there was a whole panic going on um, of trying to get her a bed on the neurological mm. ward. So I didn't I didn't know that. I just thought that they were like... what Rubbish. You know, I don't know what they were thought. <laughs> well, there was, they said to me, they even said things like, well, you know, if an emergency... She had a general anaesthetic to have the scan. So it was like, well, if in an emergency... If an, 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 if an emergency's come in, yeah. then they'll probably then, just keep her and then mm-hmm. they, they'll go in in front of her and all this sort of stuff. So it all was very plausible. Yeah. And then they came back and they said... Um, so you told your six-year-old, we're just popping to the hospital to do this thing and she yes, was going for a general bad. anaesthetic. Bad, bad, <laughs> really bad. <laughs> really, just crap. <laughs> if you think... <laughs> Well, and yeah. the thing was that I said as well, we would but go to Toys R Us. why does this thing mean I have to get a gown on, Mum? God. Why, why are they taking my clothes off? I did it, do you know, thing? and I didn't even learn. I did it another time. Oh, I can't oh. even tell you about that. I'm so ashamed of it. But they, so we did a thing. So they said, they then came back, this lady came back, this nurse, and she said, um, uh, Sarah, uh, this is Mr. Gann, because I'm still waiting for her. Mm-hmm. And they said, uh, this is Mr. Gann and Mr. Ahmed. They're neurosurgeons. And you know, and you go, well, what the hell do they want with me? Because why would they want <laughs> I don't, why would they I don't want need me? a neurosurgeon this Wednesday afternoon. I'm fine. I'm going, I'm going shopping. I'm going shopping. <laughs> shopping. I have a date you know? with a toy oh. shop. <laughs> well, we went, they took me into a small room, as you do. And it was, it was just a, little, a, a treatment room. It wasn't like a room of doom room with a double, you know, the little double sofas. Uh, and the box of tissues and a box of tissues and, and, and a, a picture on the wall yep. if it's got a picture a on the wall flower. no flower. it's going to oh. hit the fan a flower yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the flower <laughs> um, <laughs> but yeah they said do you know she, they said um, so they said how has she been and I'm like well she has dyspraxia so this is how <laughs> she's been she's been exactly as you as your you know your crowd have said that this is what it is so this is what it is and um they said we've um uh it's a bit more serious than that and we've found a mass and um so we've got you a bed on the neuro ward she'll be on 20 minute observations from now so you need to we need to do um xyz you need to have this stuff you know kind of we need stuff from home and we need and um i it was like a proper full on out of body thing mm. and i just thought you're all insane and in a minute, you're going to say to me, oh, not, oh, sorry, not, no, not, you're the wrong person. You know, like kind of. Yeah, not, not your mm. daughter. No, not your oh, daughter. Oh, you're, you're Sarah Cla- exactly. Yeah, no, we weren't coming for you. Yeah. And Aww. I, I genuinely did not have a single feeling in my body. Mm-hmm. I know that there's just nothing, like I didn't feel just nothing at all. Because I would just thought, well, they're all, they've got it wrong. They're wrong. So. Mm. And then, um, and then they said, you, you know, you, we've got you a bed on Ward Ten. And I said, no, I'm, I'm sorry, we, we can't do that because we're going to Toys R Us now. 
and <laughs> I know and they they were saying no you're not and I was saying no we are because I promised her and I've like so that's what we're doing and they were saying no you're not I said I'll come back <laughs> I promise I'll come back but we are going within like, 20 minutes before the next no, set of mobs yeah <laughs> yeah honestly and then we ended oh. so then so then you end up on a we ended up um on a you know regional hospital pediatric mm-hmm. neuro ward which you know and just and even then but but her um consultant who i would i would walk over well, whatever he told me to walk over i would walk over for that man i adore him um he appeared at about half past nine at night um mm-hmm. and kind of stuck his head around the curtain and just said oh you know you must be b and she was like yep and he said, you're not supposed to look like that because I've been put looking at your pictures all day and, like, I didn't expect you to be looking just so fabulous, you know. Mm. And then, um, but the weird one, you know, I'm I'm whoever and I'm an oncologist and people talked about oncology. I have a degree in biology <laughs> and it wasn't until about four days later that I remember kind of sitting up and thinking, that's cancer. You know, like kind of genuinely, oh, as a ma- honestly, truly, truly, not like proper, just there was a mass in her head that was fine, take it away. Like, mm-hmm. there you go. Uh, here's your oncologist. <clears throat> That's mm-hmm. fine. Okay, we're going to use, you know, maybe they're the just purse for a person for this. Maybe this just for this of... thing, this is the sort of thing that they do. For dyspraxia. But yeah. Yeah. And then I went into, and then for that until um, the end of her treatment. So she had surgery and then she was on a clinical trial for radiotherapy. So that was like twice a day, every day for five weeks, which which was sh- like the burns from that were just oh. unbelievable. And then chemo through till the next September. So it was a full year. Um, mm-hmm. And I went into full on um, doer mode. So the whole, like I was like, like I will sort this, you know, to the point of of probably being a bit of an ass and not letting anybody else do anything oh, because that it was really crazy. surprises me. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, um, yeah. And then I fell apart at the end. So like when it oh, was right. all doing, you know, when you do the doing, doing yeah, like yeah. Yeah. all the appointments, all of the like it's just relentless. And then I got to the to, and people would say things like, "Oh, you must, you're gonna probably have like." <laughs> You have a big party when it's all done. Are you, how are you going to celebrate when it's all done? How are you going to? And I just remember thinking, it's never going to be done. Like it's like, yeah, I'm it won't ever be done. Now. What are yeah. yeah? What are you talking about? Done? You know? Um, mm. So I saved. I saved the complete fall apart for just after she'd finished her treatment, and then I Excellent. lost okay. lost my mind. Yeah, lovely, great. Yeah. But it didn't, it wasn't done then at all. No, and God, no. No. It became it very goes, undone in lots of yeah, different ways. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, and I think that's part of people's, um, part of what having to, having to come to terms with the idea for myself that it would mm-hmm. never be done. That there wasn't, mm. like once we'd done all of those things to her body in order to save her life, that that you there were can, going to be consequences. That's it. Yeah. And and you go from save a life mode, full emergency mode, to then, shit, what have we done? You know, because mm-hmm. it's not, you know. Um, but yeah. So, and, and I'd, I reckon it took me, it took at least a decade to kind of really kind of be okay with where we are. And I still, I still have days where I'm not okay. You're okay with where you are. Well, I'm going to say, let me mm, just work out how that is. I don't know. I don't know. I said to you, said to you before about the idea of as she's got as she's become an adult. Mm-hmm. I think there's a there's um she's moved further and further away from the little girl that she was, like mm-hmm. the little girl who thought she was going to hospital for a quick appointment. Bless her. Like of she's a lying, scheming mother. Of a scheming mother, <laughs> yeah, a cowardly mother. Um, like she, because she's so far away. Like yeah. the further she gets away from that person, maybe I don't know. 
Um, so that hologram, that that sort of hologram of the girl, the young woman, the person. She's like a little ghost. Had, yeah. yeah, like a little ghost. And um, so that's so that for me as her mum, um, the all of the the milestones of of little girls going through school, starting mm-hmm. secondary school, all of those. Mm-hmm. And I don't know whether it's just because as a young adult, like like life gets foggy then, doesn't it? There's not quite yeah. so much structure and not everybody's doing the same not thing at the same time. Not everyone's totally. doing Totally, yeah. 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 So I think because there's a fewer of them, then there are fewer curled up in a ball. around as much. Yeah, curled up in a ball moments. Where so that's I'm a very like, different... <clears throat> that's a very different story, isn't it, from... So like you were saying, you're trundling along, there's a very clear diagnosis of this is different. Um, and uh, my son was born after a very normal pregnancy if puking on the side of the road is normal. Mm, um, I believe so. But yes, other than that, um, you know, my body, I did not at all embrace pregnancy. I was not glowing at any point, um, but I there wasn't any problems. I just didn't, you know, it just was weird that your body was doing stuff that you hadn't asked it to. Um, I didn't mind the, the tits. They were all right. It was the only time <laughs> in my life I actually had any. Um, but then when they start racing on your stomach, <laughs> that's, that's, that's cool. Uh, I don't think... So then we were in... Um, we actually brought, he was really poorly when he was born, um, needed ventilating, um, and we were told there was a good chance he wasn't going to make it, and there was a slim chance that um, he'd be absolutely fine, and then this massive grey in the middle, and I remember thinking that the grey in the middle was the bit that I wasn't sure about. Yeah. How much grey could I, <clears throat> sorry, how much grey could I live with kind of thing. Um, I think I understood grief theoretically but I even theoretically couldn't understand the change in our life that would be required to care for somebody with really complex disabilities um Mm -hmm. the adjustment required and Mm -hmm. that um it's really hard talking about that isn't it sort of 16 years later and not feel like you're I don't know being unfaithful to your child or being disloyalty yeah yeah, because it's <clears throat> and but it we've got to. Which I think it's because we're not very good at talking about paradoxes, because it can be and it absolutely is utterly wonderful being my son's mother, and it's utterly relentlessly exhausting and really hard work. Mm. And mm. we we allow parents to say that sometimes to a certain extent. We allow fathers to say that a heck of a lot more than we allow mothers to say that. But that's another episode completely. Um, <laughs> But the whole idea of I I am proud and I have a good life and I am um in a in a place of a level of contentment, but I am mm-hmm. also genuinely utterly overwhelmed by the complexity of the, the amount of care and the, the level of care that my son requires. And it isn't either or. It yeah. isn't either or. It's not either I'm falling apart or it's great. I'm falling apart and it's still great. <laughs> like I yeah, genuinely, yeah. I'm holding together those things. So it wasn't until um, uh, we were discharged at 12 days with a baby who was breastfeeding apparently normally, um, no ongoing medication um, and just an appointment card for an MRI scan at 10 weeks. We told him he was going to the hospital. <laughs> Um, and told him what we were doing and didn't promise him Uh, but we had the MRI scan and I remember sitting on the plastic chairs outside the MRI scanner uh, and just feeling like um, there were these people inside this room who were going to like predict my future yeah you know this like fortune telling type feeling of uh Surely, surely I should have a more comfortable seat for this moment <laughs> in my life. Surely. Was there a flower on the wall though, Rachel? No, was there, there wasn't. And oh, hey, they okay. tricked me too. All right. <laughs> now I've been in plenty. We've ended up in ITU and um, 
uh, no, he's ended up in ITU. We've yeah. ended up in the flowery room being told he's <laughs> having to go to ITU and he's going to be in a brand juice coma and all da, da, da. But <clears throat> the, the, this room where we were told um, was like a broom cupboard. Kind of reminded me of like Philip Schofield and Gordon <laughs> the Gopher. You know, it had <laughs> nothing in it but this little tiny desk. And I remember that, and you know, I've made this up. This is what I remember. It yeah. probably does not exist. But in my mind, there was no windows. There was two plastic chairs. The doctor perched on a desk. Um, and it had the scanning things on the on the wall, and I remember my husband saying to me, "The baby we're taking in is the same baby that we're taking home, like he's not changing." Yeah. And I, I liked the sentiment, but I'm not entirely sure that I I I couldn't say that I embodied that within my, the cells of my being. Yeah. Um, because when the doctor did say, um. So uh, it's not great news. And then just decided to say every negative thing I could imagine. Like it's um, severe. It's every part of his brain. It's not just the grey matter. It's the white matter. Um, he will be severely affected and live with lifelong complications. We don't know what that will look like. Um, uh, she didn't ever say never. He's never going to talk, mm -hmm. never going to walk, never going to. Um, but it was very clear that we couldn't assume anything so then we were hurtled off into this other direction there's so many different parts of there were so many milestones taken away like first steps first words you know all those things um and and even days at school and trips and marriages yeah. and stuff that i didn't even realize i'd anticipated were washed away and what i got in place were a whole load of other milestones first diagnosis first ng tube first peg first you know um first dla form first just a whole bunch of other stuff that ended up yeah. taking over um the firsts but there wasn't any question about the diagnosis and that i think that's different for you lucy yeah yeah completely different so your your two stories both have this kind of point at which it it's all different mm. um in terms of you knowing okay this is what this is what we're dealing with this is how we're going forward um for me it was a case of i've, ha I've had two children already i had a third child who now does not do anything typically that i would expect him to be doing mm -hmm. um he was floppy he didn't feed properly we when he was born Again, late. My children are very inconsiderate. Um, <laughs> he, he was, they just love you yeah. being pregnant. Oh, uh, yeah, and I did not love that. Um, but oh, yeah, he was late. I thought you were going to be Earth Mother. <laughs> no, I, I really wasn't. Like, were you not? Oh. No, it was a massive oh, whale. I had just... like... No, I had, I had fluid I, I had fluid retention everywhere. I look, My stomach looked like bubble wrap because it had like <laughs> stretch marks with fluid. It was just incredibly <laughs> ugly and not something you ever want to do again. But for some reason, I did it again and again and again. But um, yeah, so, so Brex was born late and was blue, floppy at birth, needed to go to Skaboo for a bit. Not like you, Rachel, didn't mm -hmm. need... It, didn't need ventilating but needed kind of you know bagging and and like chest and, and trying to get him to breathe um and he was just like i remember them putting him on my chest and him being dolphin color like that's what i remember he was mm. just completely like this weird gray color and again the, my the 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 kind of theme and narrative around how i was treated by professionals goes through my entire experience of pregnancy and with all my children mm. and birth and delivery and all that kind of stuff so i had a student midwife in with me and this is my third child and i always had these weird pregnancies where they sat back to back and they think it was just my pelvis shape so they sat back to back which means that the the labor generally doesn't go to plan yeah and it's like stop start stop start stop start and then suddenly you're giving birth to you're you're pushing when they've just checked you and you're five centimeters dilated it's it's kind of like this weird stop start thing and so i I'd, I'd got used to that by now this is my third baby this is what happens mm -hmm. and so when i started pushing at 
five, apparently five centimetres and they started saying, don't push, don't push. I said, well, no, this is how it goes. Can you just not have a student in here? Can you get a proper midwife as well? Um, and they were like, no, you've got ages. You've got ages. And I was like, no, the baby will be here in 20 minutes. Go and get an actual midwife. Um, and anyway, they ignored me as per usual because I don't know what I'm doing, even though it's my third baby and this has happened every time. How old are you at um, this point? I was 22, 23, 23. Wow. 23. Um, and so, yeah, I gave birth with only a student in the room because they didn't listen to me. Student um, midwife puts the baby on my like chest he's dog and colour she pulls the thing everyone comes running they take him out um she's like where do I go she went with him so quite traumatic initial delivery Mm. and then no I was left in the bath just left didn't know what was happening nobody with me um and three hours later eventually got to kind of go to Skaboo and meet him So I, then he just didn't hit milestones. He wasn't, he, he had these weird stopping breathing episodes when he was born, which looking back now, he has epilepsy. I know now that they were anoxic mm. reflex seizures, but at the time nobody knew. So we're kind of in and out of hospital a lot. Um, nobody really understood anything that was going on with him. And the generic response I got from every professional that I raised concern with was, well, he's your first boy. and well he's just lazy boys are lazy and you know you're quite young so and I'm like yeah I've also got two other children who I have a baseline for this you know I I understand what this what is supposed to be happening and this is not what's supposed to be happening Mm. and you're not listening to me partly because you can't find any it's out of your it's nothing easy and simple yeah um, yeah, you know, it was like we had a global... scan, ching, yeah, scan, yeah. ching, it that's was, the yeah. thing. Yeah, exactly. It was global developmental delay, that's what it got labelled, and, and then autism diagnosis was about two and a half, um, and then I was still like, okay, there's too many other bits that don't fit here, mm-hmm. um, and I pushed, and I pushed, and I pushed, and at like two and a half or three, I think it was, he had I, he had a karyotype test, and they told me, which is What's like that? a genetic a, a blood test where they look at the genetics to see for things okay. like random things like fragile x and other things that are not that's not very obvious but would come up in a kind of genetic screening so it's like a genetic screening of any kind of chromosomal abnormalities they told me that there would be um you know 90 percent chance it would come back of nothing mm-hmm. and you're likely to never never have an idea of why yeah, he's yeah. got this global development today they have those they um, have like rare there's like rare um like charities isn't there there's the charity called rare unique. and stuff unique is yeah. that what it is or just yeah, yeah. isn't there or what's Swan the one that's well, isn't there? yes i was gonna, trying to think of this not Syn- diagnosed syndrome there's without no... a name Swan syndrome, syndrome without a name without that is it yeah. so so yeah. yeah kind of like yeah mm, there's something yeah. going on but we don't because it that's that in itself um is is a whole it feels like a whole other thing doesn't it that for you being in that I know something's right and I can't tap into yeah. in the first episode we talked you know about the labels that our children get and that making us feel like we belong somewhere mm-hmm. um if we haven't got uh, a label or a community within which to tap into because you know I guess yeah. you, you're like well it is autism you know my child is autistic except that's not really the whole story but I can't pinpoint what it is so that yeah. itself and it was, it was isolating. Just... Yeah, massively isolating. And and also, like, I was just fighting this battle all the time. And I hate that language and I hate the battle narrative. But that's what it was. And it, prof- getting professionals to listen to me. And that was, I honestly think, had I been a career, a middle-aged career woman... Had you been Sarah? <laughs> had I been... <laughs> You'd probably have missed I... the appointment, love. Do you know what I mean? Like... <laughs> <laughs> But had I been different, had I not been herding my like troop of children who were dressed <laughs> in charity shop clothes, herding them in, you know, I was, I was a, I was a good mum. Smelling but, of, but uh, yeah, scented. but on the surface, 
yeah, yeah, yeah. Incense. It's what they called incense. That's just, if I hadn't come in smelling just like, of incense, you know, ba- baby wearing me. my children. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and and yeah, and I think had I had I looked different, had I been different, then I would have got a very different response. And I'm I'm forever frustrated and annoyed about that because mm. I, I see and I still see that playing out in a mm-hmm. lot of professional interactions. You know, if you go in and you're talking the right talk and you look the right way and you you will get um tests and you know, I, I on the other hand was told I needed to go on a parenting course, obviously. Um, <laughs> oh, yes. That, oh, that's right. That parenting course that solves chromosomal abnormalities. Brilliant. Oh, yes. Um, brilliant. I'll have five of those, please. You know, like... Oh, and I had to jump through all these hoops before anyone listened or for anyone. But anyway, yeah, at two, two and a half, three, I can't even remember. I got diagnosed and this is also different. I do not think I would have been treated this way had I not been young and, and all the Hippie. rest of it. Um, yeah, yeah I, I had a phone call from the paediatrician phone call um i was not even brought into a flowery room i did not get the privilege of coming into a room and actually seeing a person face to face um she rang me and i was i remember exactly where i was i was in the middle of a shopping center with herding my children um with all four children with me and she rang me and she said um got the results of the blood test um something's come up it's duplication 15q syndrome we don't know much about it um we've referred you on to a geneticist uh that that's all the news i've got for you have a nice day have a nice day and i'm there in the shopping center with all my children um put the phone down went oh okay and then obviously went to dr google googled g15q syndrome and it's pretty catastrophic (laughs) yeah it's a pretty catastrophic diagnosis with a lot of um you know implications um and part of me was relieved because finally because i've been fighting for such a long time part of me was like Thank you. Finally, at least uh, you know, because there is, as 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 like trusting as I am of my of myself, and as confident in myself as I am, and as having my own back of myself that I am, actually fighting for somebody to listen to you for two years, two and a half years. Yeah, there are points where you go, am I just am I just am I just being over over am I overreacting? Am I and I'm the least overreactive person um, <laughs> that is true we get <laughs> we get messages from from lucy going so um it's been in status for four hours <laughs> do you think i should call the doctor <laughs> yeah i'm literally like the lead you know i like play everything down everything down so I they've just, rushed you know, into you have they yeah. just <laughs> yeah um all of that so and, and you know and you question yourself and you're like okay well maybe it's just me maybe i'm like being a drama mm. queen being a drama queen I, that is my weakness to think that i'm a drama queen that's I'm the so narrative that. you are constantly trying not do you know what yeah. that's what i was exactly the same the reason one of the reasons and probably the loudest reason in my head where i didn't go and get so the night before my eldest son was born I couldn't feel him move I woke up in the middle of the night and couldn't feel the baby move and I slunk out of bed and went into the nursery that you know had just been decorated and remember thinking oh it's probably fine it's probably nothing Mm. and I remember thinking I don't want to be one of those mums who like the drop of a hat yeah. just goes in and makes a fuss isn't that horrible isn't that horrible that yeah. we've that that is that that was a factor in my head to stop me from doing from from tr- basically trusting my own voice yeah you know that yeah. that i that i stepped outside of what i was worried about and the thing that st- that made me abandon myself and what I thought was happening was primarily wanting to fit the narrative that I wasn't going to make a fuss. I mean, yeah. and and that's what we talk been about. Taught. Talk about the regret. Talk about the yeah. the guilt. And I've sat there long enough to to live the extent to which that decision made an impact or not. I'll never know. But um, yeah, it's outrageous that we. Yeah, we fear we fear being a drama queen above advocating yeah. and being a voice. And we've yeah. but we've been told that story for decades, mm-hmm. centuries as women. So yeah. that the is, best kind of women is pervasive. the quiet women. 
Yeah, and the pervasive. and the problematic yeah. women are the noisy uh, ones. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Um, and you, you know, it, it's so pervasive, and you know, we we shouldn't be a drama queen. We shouldn't be overly emotional. We shouldn't be. Yeah, emotions um, are bad. That's yeah, why. Yeah, yeah. That's why you're not. You know, not sensible for you to make the decision because you're emotional. Yeah. Born at the Right Time is an organisation focused on bridging the gap between families of people with complex needs and the practitioners who support them through CPD certified training, family workshops, advocacy and campaigning. The Born at the Right Time team are passionate about seeing a cultural change in policies, improvements in service delivery and a better lived experience of people caring for those with complex disabilities. So go to bornatrighttime.com for more information on courses, parent workshops, or buying one of my books, The Skies Are Under and Shattered. Visit www.bornatrighttime.com to help bridge the gap between those delivering your service and the families you support. When um B was being treated, um, trying really hard to sort of ingratiate myself with the medics, you know, like kind of to be, I was so helpful. I was the, you know, like kind of, I was, it was just because I had this sense that the, the better they thought of me, then the better the treatment she would get. Do you know what I mean? If I could, if I could develop that relationship with them, they'd Mm -hmm. look after them better, uh, look after her better. Um, but there's that constant thing of like, if you if you complain too much, you're difficult, mm-hmm. and if you don't complain enough, you're neglectful, <laughs> and it's like you yeah. constantly like which which bit which what like there's where there's do just, you want me to be? Yeah, mm. there's two really easy camps that you know kind of mm-hmm. if you're too vote you could you're either too vocal or you're or you're not vocal enough and there's no and either way can get you safeguarded either way either way (laughs) either way you lose you know either Mm. way you're not you know i it's um again like kind of not having to be you know in school not having to be part of those kind of those those structures those supposedly structures that are there to support you I'm mm-hmm. really realizing, really realizing, really, really realizing. <laughs> I really, really, really realize. Um, I'm realizing that the less we have to do with statutory services, just the the, less. the calmer, the yeah. everything. You know. Do you know what? That's everything is that's so backed much up easier. by research. Is Mrs. it? Clayton. Mm. It is. Because is Joanna Griffin um, did some research last year. If you haven't got her book, Day by Day, um, which is a well-being, all-around parent well-being for parents of um, children with complex needs, you must get it. Um, she did some research. Um, she's got she's got letters after her name and all sorts. Mm. Um, she's Dr. Griffin. Uh, she did some research and um, l- one of the, lots of different things, but uh, around a parent's experience, and she looked at um, where the stress comes from. What's the stress? Because let's be honest, everyone has agreed there is stress. Yeah. So where is that stress? And um, sh- the research showed that there is, um, although there is an element of you know your child's diagnoses, your child's impairments, your child's challenges provides a level of stress the the need to navigate and to care for and to to manage your expectations but actually the greatest stress is the context within Mm. which that diagnosis puts you so the number of people you have to navigate the number of appointments you have to go to the number of forms you have to fill in the amount of arguing lucy that you have the amount of um juggling that walking that line of making sure that you're being a voice and saying what your child needs but not too much and trying to stay friends with people yeah. um that is what gives you um the stress and I, th- I think I talk about this in my training and stuff I think there is an element to which it's the powerlessness of that like the reason you're trying to persuade those medics Sarah like to mm. be nice to them and cozy up to them is because they're the ones with the power yeah completely so they're the totally. ones who've got the control and therefore 
I, I by proxy get control if I am able to in some weird way um, control and appease them. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I don't think I was being weird. I, uh, I, tried, I think you I probably were. Weird. I think you <laughs> probably were. Let's be honest. You were probably like sending them chocolate tiffins um, and things. Being married to a GP, I can't can tell you all sorts of random things that he brings home the patients have given. I, honestly, he's brought home window cleaner before. Oh, <laughs> Someone no. has given him window cleaner. Maybe he's got dirty windows. Yeah, yeah, right, it's, no, it's supposed to be I a th- really, really good window cleaner. <laughs> I wonder, I wonder, sorry to move on from the window cleaner. Um, I want I wonder as well, like I found there's an extra layer there for me as a young parent because mm-hmm. that line you're talking about walking of mm-hmm. you know, you're either being in people's faces and being aggressive and like that annoying parent or you're not being advocate enough and so you've got to like find this space in the middle. I already had the judgments made yeah. on me before mm. I walked in the room. Mm. Oh, oh, look at her with all her children, how young she is. And she smells like incense. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> Look at her flowy skirts and her. <laughs> Look at her, her I love the picture that you painted of me. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and all my kids. And I let you know. I was the, I was the parent that let their kids let their kids pick their own outfits. So they looked ridiculous. Like I walked around <laughs> with this troop of children that just looked. They were very happy, and it was all very lovely. But um, uh, from an external point of view, like I already had a layer that I had to like negotiate mm, before I even got yeah. to the point mm-hmm. of you weren't oh the and start, now yeah. I can be I'm not yeah. on the same I'm not you on a level at, pegging with you guys and we've got to we've got to recognize yeah. um that we all have white privilege oh yeah within yeah. that context when we go into a consultation we have like you might have had all those kids but you might have had all those kids and you had white skin so you actually mm-hmm. did you were a step um, away yeah. from even more layers yeah. of assumptions yeah. and judgment and just power, like just just yeah. Un- yeah. undisclosed power because of our because of the color of our skin fundamentally in yeah. in this in, in the country that we live in, um, and we cannot com- we can't get our heads around really, and that's maybe somebody we need to definitely reach out to people of different. Um, uh, different cultures and different um, backgrounds to to really represent that skies we're under because we um, just by the nature of you know three women who are all white know. Yeah, being in this totally. country the whole life then we've got a we've got a skewed um, yeah a skewed even with Lucy's flowy skirts I know just <laughs> the woman excellent I know who you mean I know who you're going to say I spoke to her recently about this very question. Um, but yes we'll get her on the worst Sarah I feel like got a nomination I feel like (laughs) last week was that last week or this week when did you even tell us about Uh, your positive last week you told us about your 20 no 2009, 2009, 2009, 2009 positive parent line. Yeah. The year so, of the Sarah. The, the year of the Sarah. <laughs> as a, as a counter. The year of parenting. As yep. a counter to that parenting award, do you want to tell us one do of you want your to, Do you want to know one of my, what is it, one of my single times that I have failed at something? The only one time. One of the only aside from Aside from the time I told my child she was going to a toy shop and took her into a general anaesthetic where they told her that she had a brain tumour. Other than that time. Other than that time. Well, I think, do you know, all of mine come down to just having not enough room in my head. You're genuinely not We were just talking room. about how massive your head is. Yeah, no, I think, look, my earphones hurt so much. My head is huge. <laughs> I'm like, feel like my my head's in a vice. Oh god! But the um, yeah. So there's just not enough room sometimes. And I, my one of my best moments was probably uh, thing three, uh, losing him on the school run. So I've got the other two are in primary school. Now imagine the scene, and it's a beautiful little lane, and at the end of the lane there is a school. There's a bridge, and there's a canal that runs mm-hmm. probably fifteen yards from the gate of the school so I'm Mm -hmm. standing there and I realise that I haven't seen him for a little while and I go into full-on panic mode I'm like 
where is he? Where is he? Have you seen him? And I'm, I'm shouting to the parents that are towards the canal. Have you seen him? Is he near the water? And, <laughs> and Nick, my friend, stood next to me and she's like, you do know you're holding him, don't you? <laughs> I'm standing. And you know, you kind of, like, I'm holding him on my hip. You know, just like, in genuinely... And I was like, yes, some people forget they're wearing glasses. (laughs) Some people forget that they're wearing phone in the hand. How many times are like with your phone in your hand? You're like, but then you're talking to to someone. I'm like, I'm trying to find my phone. I'm trying to find my phone. It's because it's up to your flipping ear. I'm having to shout then to the people that. Well, the people that are looking for him, I'm then having to shout. It's okay. Don't worry. Found him. (laughs) It was just. He was just I was here. looking. <laughs> he was here all the time. He was just here. It's all good. So yeah, so those are just though all of all of my best moments I think are when I've run out of room. And that's all we have time for on the Skies Were Under podcast. That's episode two. We'll carry on this conversation next week talking about what we found helpful or less helpful. And as we finish, I just want to say to all of you, whether you're really early in this diagnosis, whether you're supporting friends or family, um, just being nosy and listening in, thank you for joining us. Or whether you're one of those parents who are decades in, used to scrutiny and the explanations and the justifications. I love the Brené Brown uh, quote, strong back, soft front, wild heart. Don't let the stories that you tell yourself stop you from being true to yourself. Listen to that inner voice and go into those conversations with a strong back. Knowing what you know, knowing as an expert of your child what you understand about the situation. But go in with that soft front, prepared to listen, prepared to listen to understand other people's perspectives and maybe even having your mind changed, your opinions crafted And to do that, the best way is with a wild heart. That's curiosity, that's creativity, and as much laughter as we can muster. For today, I want to thank Lucy and Sarah again for their honesty and friendship, Harry and Rebecca for their support. We'd love to hear from you and have you as part of our conversation on the Skies Ronda podcast. So you can email us at tswupodcast at gmail.com. Tell us some of your own story or or would you believe it? It'd be brilliant if you could share this podcast with your friends and family, with the practitioners who support you. And then it'd be so good if you could rate, review and subscribe. The three of us will be back next week, continue talking about this unique kind of caranting. So whatever the weather, however you're dressed, we wish you all the best, whatever skies we're under. (laughs) 